Hello and welcome to Babel on the Great, the show where we take a look at Watchtower's weirdest, craziest, and a different thing teachings. We are joined by my little Pima and Dax's caller, but who cares? Don't even say hello. It doesn't even matter because we have a celebrity in the house. He is the person with half a million views on her first video. He is the person who is about to upload or has even uploaded his video now already as you're watching, as you're listening to this podcast now to his channel for the first time. You have seen him. You have seen his channel. You have seen his beautiful hair. It's me, my little Matt. Pimo. Oh my it, it's God, I, I have nailed that. He did. Oh, Agreed. Man. It is my little Pimo. Matt. It's, it's absolutely you, not because he's, uh, he you, is Matt, too... please, just, just say hi, Matt, please. Just, just, I, I, Hello, this is, this is Matt from the Falling Tower. That was way too long of an intro, but uh, and I can't live up to the hype, but I'm here either way. He could totally it was live up not to the long hype. Enough. I've seen his arms. Oh, oh my goodness! One hundred. I didn't even get to that. Should I? Should we just record, re-record it, I, and just get to the? We didn't even. I think his arms just deserve his post. own intro. Caleb, you messed up. The intro should be "Hi, welcome to Babylon the Great." We're joined by, by our guest star, the Falling Towers Arms. Yeah, and then attached by yeah, the I, Falling Towers. I'm rethinking my uh, m- my desire to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> You are already here. You are not on the show. Your arms are on the show. We already conned you into coming here. You, we are. The doors are locked. You're not going anywhere until we we stop recording. Okay. I mean, we only allowed you in here because I thought it was going to be the British version of you, and I, I, you know. Well, well, clearly he can come out any time that you'd like, my dear. There we go. I hate that you just so easily slip into that accent because (laughs) for my life I cannot speak in a british accent well i'm sure every person if you held a gun to my head and you said you will die if you don't do it i could not i would die well I, we have I'm, been I'm recording sure for like every three person... minutes and and new listeners don't know shit like they don't You're know right. what this what yes. this is about caleb they have please. No, they're like it's just <laughs> just four people probably under the influence of something and you know that that is accurate just just talking about stuff like what we talk about here in babylon the great is we talk about Jehovah's Witnesses, and we start with the news. And Now, usually, My Little Pimo does the news, but My Little Pimo actually prepared a really, 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 really good topic uh, along with our guest and Dax. So I offered to do the news because I knew that the news were pretty slow. Actually, there's not really a, lo- a lot of news. There is, however, uh, there is a video... A new video featured on JW.org called Does God Accept All Forms of Worship? That I kind of wished we had last episode because last episode, I don't know if you remember, uh, we talked about how they can say, yes, there's only one true religion and it's us, even though that is a very obvious teaching. That is what you're supposed to believe. But they can't say that. And the video uh, takes three minutes and 43 seconds to, again, not answer the question. It's... It's kind of funny if you want to watch it. That is, that is in JW.org. There's nothing really there other than that. And in the news, we have the return to uh, meetings as well. I've been checking with uh, multiple PMOs, and they're telling me that uh, people are going less and less to the meetings. Uh, like they're they're not really showing up anymore, I'm, which is kind of interesting. I'm a little confused because yeah. it's almost like you're implying that the governing body updates lack substance. And isn't that why you're supposed to watch them is because they are full of substance? Spiritual food. Well, spiritual substance? 
We already watched the the governing it body did, update, and, I, and it was I, uh, nothing. It really was. They did. They did absolutely nothing. And honestly, I got said a lot out of that. with so many words. No, I got they a were lot able out to of say that update. Absolutely nothing. That update. They gave. What, they what gave nothing. They gave nothing with so many words. Uh, that update told me that I am the victim of the invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. It made you me feel are. a That's lot good. better. It made me realize that to feel better about it, to not be so anxious about the fact that Vladimir Putin is invading a country that I'm not in, the way to not feel anxious about it is to stop reading the news and to be less informed. You're right. It was very informative. And isn't that encouraging as well? Yeah, I mean, as the true victims... Yeah, I can't. I'm sorry. No, it, it, no, it, it's harder to be the person watching the victim than to be the victim themselves. Yes, that of makes course. us the victim. Because the victims obviously get Holy Spirit, and we, we we talked about it in last episode. But yeah, the victims get Holy Spirit. Therefore, you are the one who's feeling worse, actually, because I guess the victims Jehovah's get extra Holy Spirit. But yeah, sad. but you, yeah, you you don't get Holy Spirit. Like they no. get Holy Spirit in proportion. But that doesn't mean that you get Holy Spirit in proportion as well. Yeah, even though really even sense. though you're defined as the the actual victim who's hurting more, yeah, uh, shouldn't you also get Holy Spirit no. in proportion, and therefore equally, it will balance out? Like, no. Surely, no, because the governing body understands that the sacrifice that we have to make is a lack of Holy Spirit and the feeling of being victimized by someone else's trial. Um, that's actually just you know it, it's it's so that way. <laughs> We, I can't. We could take on more trials to understand truly what people are going through yeah, by by get, reading about it. And and how so can if you get ready for trials, if you just don't hear about yeah, them all that, the time, and if and God bumped out, and if God bails you out all the time, if God bails out your feelings all the time, you know, are you so, learning? <laughs> at so all? those are the news. Uh, those were the news. As you can tell, not really a lot of news, which is great because we have, as I said, an amazing topic and we are gonna talk about soft power in the jehovah's witness religion now and not the king obviously version. we all know like we uh, everyone here knows what soft power is but uh Pims, could you like for, for our listeners who like um don't, don't read books can you, can you can you explain it like for for our listeners only um i i i know what it is but but Pims, can you can you explain it of course i'm happy to explain it for our listeners because i'm sure you know all about this term um yes everything i i, I read books so the term soft power is a term that comes from geopolitics, and uh, it, it's, it basically means a method of influencing people to follow your lead and to do what you want without being overt, without overtly threatening or rewarding uh, through methods like, for example, influencing reputation. For example, being like, you get a lot of economic benefits by being on good terms with me, so you should probably take my side in disputes. It's, it's not a thing that you actively have to state. You don't have to say that someone needs to do something. It's implied that they get benefits by doing it. And so there are social pressures to uh, to get people to do what you want. And I think that this is a great term to discuss what the Watchtower organization wields. We all know that there's hard power, right? They have the ability to disfellowship us. That's the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. But they usually don't need to wield that. They don't need to walk through the congregation and threaten to disfellowship us to influence our behavior and to get us to all be in line. Um, a lot of their power, their soft power, is through different types of cultural uh, pressures. So I wanted to start 
by talking about, I think, what is the key to their soft power. And I think it's this phrase, bad association spoils useful habits. What is the Jehovah's Witness definition of bad association? Please enlighten us. I am actually glad you asked that because I have a video presentation for you. Here we read, do not be misled. Bad associations spoil useful habits. As familiar as that principle is, can you think of an area in your life where it's difficult to apply? Hey, John. I know it's not your usual, but there's no one to entertain those clients tonight, so can you do it? Thanks. I have great. Till then, it wasn't my usual thing. But I need to support my family. We're going to see three forms of bad association here. So you just saw the first form of bad association, worldly people. Uh, well, hold on. Specifically, peop like business association. Yes. For your job. For your mm -hmm. job. Yes. Yeah, that you can't, that you literally can't yes. avoid. That for you, those who you cannot. You literally just got, got thrown on there yeah, by, for the, by your superior. For those who can't see the video, basically this guy is sitting in the meeting and he has that white guy smile, which is I think supposed to be like a contemplative look. And he uh, has memory of when he's at work and he ha is forced to entertain his clients. And so he's at this restaurant where he sits in the same seat for some reason for every single person that comes through and um, laughs along with worldly people, which is a sin. You're not allowed to laugh. Um, <laughs> that's not true. But, you know, it is a sin. And so um, that's this guy so far. He's having a guilty you know, flashback just... for... For Guilty flashbacks because he laughed with worldly people for work. Definitely. Okay. It's really bad. So that is the first example of bad association. Now, what is the second? Here we go. This person we're zooming into? I don't think so. Ruh -ruh. Except for some friends from my old congregation. Wow. They're not doing so well spiritually. But... If I stay connected and see what they're doing, maybe I can help them. Can affect us. We're just we missing. need to describe this for viewers. Yeah, so, so what so happened is she, is she, um, the second poem is not getting rid of people on your social media that might not be witnesses anymore, even though she has no idea and she's not asking. She's like, oh, these are people from my old hall and they might be bad association because they're in the jungle in a picture. Um it's not even might not be witnesses anymore. Same. They're just posting things that are not very witness-like. Yeah, they're they're not out in service in the picture. Exactly. They're in a jungle. So clearly, sinner. So the second form of bad association is witnesses, is other witnesses who give you the wrong vibe. Yeah, you need good vibes. I only join games with witness friends I know. But sometimes, they connect with people I don't know. Who pick games I'm not sure we should play. Tell me you do not understand how video games work. 
without telling me you don't understand how video games work. The <laughs> fact that he's like, oh, you know, I might play with people I don't know who play games that I don't understand or that I've never heard of that might be bad. Dude, if you're playing with people that you don't know, it's because you're in a lobby already in a game that you know. They're not like, hey, man, hey, stranger, uh, let's go play World of Warcraft, huh? Like, that's not happening. Well, so to be clear... What is this weird that, fantasy world? I don't think that world. Tony Morris would agree with you. Like, I think... <laughs> I think this was straight... Like, this was straight out of Tony Morris or Stephen Lynn. They were like, yeah, this is how... This is how video this is how games work. Right? work. <laughs> you have this weird sci-fi camera that watches you. And then... <laughs> and then this weird light. And then... And, and you can see how the people that are playing, they're wearing jeans. Yes. Exactly. That's my experience. Is that your experience, Matt and Peems? Oh yeah, yeah. How many how many genes have you have you seen while while doing video games? Because I, I can't say that I, I'm not a huge gamer myself, so I'm gonna have to rely on the experience of my little Pimo there. Oh wait, you guys wear pants? <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just let's just move I, to the next. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I love how like the the bad association. Like like what he's saying is that like oh I go and there's like a group playing online and. Maybe sometimes they invite a worldly people to play with us, right? Like the the worldly guy was just a guy with a beer. And like every witness playing online over the age of twenty one is drinking a beer. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> Alright. Well at least. <laughs> at least one. Okay. Here we go. I thought that talk didn't apply to me. But can I really handle bad association? If I take a stand, I may lose my job. <sighs> but that's being anxious about tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. They, they is, are saying that like if he yeah. gets if he has to quit his job to avoid associations, he should. That's exactly what they're saying. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like the way that it faded out, it was like it didn't show him making an actual decision. No, but it gave do not the, be implication that yeah if your workmates talk to each other and they might invite you out as part of your business meetings to quit talk with them you might want to quit your job yeah even even Just if quit. this is literally part of your job if it is entertaining clients you need to quit quit i was so standoffish at work as a witness because of this example like like you know i was great at work and then like five o'clock hit and like i never went out to hang out with my coworkers, you know, I declined going to their house. I declined going to get a beer afterward with them. Ninety percent of the time, um, like they they do teach you to isolate yourself from your coworkers. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a shame. So, like I I like you. Uh, that was kind of my general rule of thumb of not, you know, my my work has varied over the years of how, uh, you know, who I was with, but I would never really go out and do that because of the training that we received. And so you have to come up with excuses when people ask you to go out. And, you know, before too long, they're going to come up with an impression of you that you just don't care about them at all. You don't like them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely nuts to think of having to quit your job just for talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then mean, that reinforces the fact that, oh, in the world, the world is so terrible because they treat me so bad. Yeah, because when they treat you nicely, you don't respond. So... <laughs> Yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses get like somewhat mistreated, like somewhat like. But you're left out. It. Yeah, because because that's what they were looking for in the first place. Yeah, because you act it's, like you're self fulfilling prophecy. You're refusing to engage with them. 
Like they feel rejected yeah. by you. I know that uh, this is this isn't about soft power, but it's just no, no. This video I, think is I think that's because... fantastic. But that that is a lot of power on a person is to determine their work relationships and to socially yeah, isolate them. It, it really, it really shows how how little uh, the governing body really cares or understands what Jehovah's Witnesses go through because. If you have a job like that in this economy, like, do you really think that you can just quit and then find a new one and then be like, ah, oh, Jehovah will provide? Why? Jehovah That's didn't tell you to quit. It was the governing body. Well, I would love yeah. your excuse when you go on your next job interview and they might ask you, hey, I don't know if they do this, but, well, you know, what was it about your previous job you didn't like? Oh, they made me talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. And if you quit yourself, you're not getting unemployment. Yeah, who who wouldn't who wouldn't hire that person? <laughs> I had a thought and I lost it. So anyway, anyway. what is the next? Oh. Okay, here's the next bit. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. My friends' posts are getting worse. Their pictures and comments. Hmm. Second Timothy two sixteen. But reject empty speeches that violate what is holy. For they will lead to more and more ungodliness. I'm letting them share empty speeches with me online. <sighs> I will try to help them while I still can, but following their posts is not the way to do it. <laughs> so basically, I have seen this video before. I, I have. have not. It, it was an assembly. This is new to me. So, Sorry, let's just let's so jump, let's basically, jump back. So basically, if what you have to say is shallow at all, and it is not about spiritual things. And it is not deep. Don't you freaking say it. Because you're bad association. Exactly. Like, oh, hey, I just bought a new house. Or, hey, my kid just learned how to walk. And you're like, uh-uh, bad. Yeah. Not bad. spiritual goal. Learning how to walk isn't spiritual goal. Nope. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's very clear. Yeah. Like, Karen, you're blunt. These people are not breaking rules. They're not being bad people. They're just having lives. They're having <laughs> lives. They're posting things Shame. about their Shame. lives. And... That's empty expressions because it's not spiritually upbuilding. And so she's rejecting the bad association. Like they're not hanging out Shameful. with worldly people. They're not. They just look like they're not doing well spiritually. Vague. It's very vague. I told mom what's been happening when I game with my friends. She gave me good ideas on what to look for in the research guide. Christian life. Association. Is your recreation beneficial? Who are my companions? It says, who are the ones I want to share my leisure time with? Does he have the same Bible-based values and morals that I have? Good question. I don't even know who they are sometimes. All right. So what did you think of that video? Mm. That was infuriating. That was pretty cringeworthy. So uh, this is something that I find interesting is that in the literature, they avoid spelling out what these behaviors are, right? They don't they don't spell out what bad association can be. It is spelled out that like worldly people is bad association. But otherwise, it's it's vaguely, you know, spiritual stuff. The video shows a little more like it shows a little more concrete examples than what we'll see in the literature. And then, like, in reality, people giving public talks will say even more. 
right? Like you'll 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 have your local brothers talking and they will say all kinds of crap. Um <laughs> Yeah, like that yeah. marking talk we had about how if you're not over the age of 21, you're not past the bloom of youth. Yeah, that was a that was a whole story. Well, that well that gives them wonderful deniability when they do that though, because then that speaker you could say, "Oh, well that was just him making stuff up. That's that just was just him. a yeah, local exactly. person." Well, you know, he, the elders spoke to him about that. It's just their idea. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But some of these things are so culturally ingrained, you'll get the same talks all over the place. Oh, absolutely. There's general understandings of what constitutes spiritual weakness. I mean, no no watchtower is going to say growing a beard makes you spiritually weak, but it is generally understood, right? There's So, if they don't say it here in the video, and if they don't say it in the literature, how is it that Jehovah's Witnesses know exactly what the woman is looking at when she we just see her looking at her phone and being like, oh, this isn't this person isn't being spiritually strong? How is it that every Jehovah's Witness know exactly how that looks like if no one tells them? Uh, I would say it's a co it's a combination of different types of cultural pressures and things that, well, like I was saying, that elders will give the same talks. Um, the literature shows certain visualizations, and there are things that are passed down. For example, like the beard prohibition, right? The beard prohibition is not in the modern literature. It's things that are hinted at, and every elder still knows this, and it might not be a rule, but if you are wearing a beard, you're flouting, you're pushing the boundaries. There's a lot of different things like that. Matt, what is what would you say, like, how do you feel like these things are, are passed down, these cultural norms and requirements for good association? Oh, it's it's very much set down that way. Um you know, you talk about the, the beard thing. We had a great example of it in the congregation that I was last in where there was a guy who was relatively new uh, to, to being a witness. Um, and we had the article a few years ago that everyone made a big fuss about thinking that it was saying that it was okay to grow beards again. But that I was absolutely that. not what it was saying. So all of us on the, yeah, so all of us on the elder body, uh, we all read that article. We had discussed it. Um, and understood that this was just saying the exact same thing that they had always said. This was just the most recent instance of them saying it. Well, we had, like I said, someone who was new into the congregation, maybe had been in or been back in for uh, maybe a couple of years or so and was just kind of getting reactivated and, and getting going again. And after reading that article, decided to grow a beard. Well, sure enough, within like a couple of weeks, he had an elder that approached him privately and gave him counsel on that. And he was, of course, confused because here this article made it sound like, hey, if it was locally appropriate, which, of course, where I lived, everyone had beards except for witnesses. It was not an unusual thing <laughs> at all. But for yeah. him, he had to have it explained to them. And, of course, because of his, you know, automatic, uh, the desire to obey direction came automatically for him within the organization he didn't think twice about it again. He went along with it. So, you know, it's little things like that, that uh, over the course of years that everyone has, has learned these things on an individual basis. They've learned them as groups. And so even when you have someone new who comes into the group who might not have known that before, it's very quickly like nipped in the bud and all these little problems, uh, you know, even though, you know, it's, it's not something that, 
everyone would would talk about and it would it would be glaringly obvious but every it's like you said it's the culture and how things work and that culture is so important because it what it's what enables them to get away with so many things and how to govern so many things without having directly say it and it's for that reason of why so many in the in who are former witnesses talk about that you have to pay attention not only to what is said in videos what's written in the publications you have to know what the culture is and what's astonishing about it is the culture isn't just something that exists like in a local area there are principles and things like that that extend worldwide that everyone knows that oh no you don't do this as a witness even though we know it's not explicitly stated in the publications we just know you don't do that so it it's it very much works that way I remember as a as a PME, uh, when I was uh, fully believing Jehovah's Witness, I talked to an elder and uh, I asked them, "Hey, listen, uh, how do you how do you handle when someone asks you why is it that I I can't grow a beard?" And the answer that the elder gave me left me like left me stunned, and I still remember it to this day. I feel more than ever because the elder said, "Listen." If they're growing a beard, there's something else going on. I have heard that, that is, before. And that isn't that accurate. Of course it's something. And that is exactly how, how, they, how they see it. If you are already even thinking about that, even asking those questions, you are going against this, this invisible barrier that, that signifies, hey, you're not, you're not falling in line. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a requirement as a witness to um, be a bit of a rule follower. And so when someone when someone butts against the cultural norms, even though they haven't violated a rule, it's a signal that they are someone who is not obedient. Um, and that on itself, by itself, is a problem. We had this brother in our hall that was kind of made of Teflon. It's hard to explain, but he... He was the biggest gossip in the hall. He had all the elders come to his house and he gave them all alcohol. And kind of what happened at this guy's house stayed at this guy's house. And uh, and he also was bipolar and was sometimes going through swings. And at one point he went through a phase um, after he was grieving a loss where he decided he was going to grow a beard. And it created this weird dynamic because a bunch of the older elders were just infuriated. And then a bunch of the younger elders who all drank at his house uh, wanted to let him slide. And they took away a bunch of his privileges, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, some of the elders like told him he couldn't... I think one of the elders told him he couldn't go out in service. And he said, no, you can't take that away from me. And he was right. Um... Yeah, there was a huge debate about whether or not literally biblically, biblically, they can't take it away from you. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly, a disfellowshipped person can technically go out. But it turned into a very public thing that like everyone, everyone knew which elders were in favor of him having privileges and which ones wanted to punish him for having a beard, and like it turned into oh. like a political thing in the hall, and I think he relished in it. But okay, so for those who are here who may have never been Jehovah's Witnesses, FYI, Jehovah's Witnesses have a prohibition on beards at least in the united states and that prohibition stems from not a whole lot uh, a lot of people think it might have just been uh because rutherford wanted to distance himself from russell and get rid of beards but the official story is 
that uh, hippies are associated with beards, and we didn't want to be associated with hippies, so we don't have beards. But uh, the woman, the female version of that mm-hmm. is sideswept bangs. Really? Um, they're worldly looking. Oh. Sideswept bangs are worldly bangs. I didn't even know that was and a thing. It was a thing, and it was an insane thing. Um, and it was something you would know is like brightly colored hair. You could not color your hair any color that you wanted to. You had to be um, within a certain <laughs> range, which we saw from the movie The Wife of Lot. Yeah. Um, the daughter colors her hair slightly lighter, yeah. and they ridicule her for it, even though and it's hardly like, different. Oh, we need to we need to do something about you. They're hair. like, you got bangs and highlights um worldly that's all that happens so, it's insane no so so how how does all of this tie into into soft power and the and the structures that that jehovah's witnesses thank you caleb for getting me back on track so um one of the things we see in this video is uh how bad association applies to both worldly people and other witnesses and to me bad association is the linchpin of all this it is it is the the key to how it works because by having this concept of bad association um people want to be seen as good association. It, it cre- leads to the creation of in-groups and out-groups. If you are in the good association group, people want to be seen with you because that makes them good association. And if you're bad association, people don't want to be around you because it might imply that they're spiritually weak, that they're bad association. So you end up with this in-group of good association, and to be seen as good association, you have now this pressure of appearance where you have to be seen progressing in the organization and advancing and doing things that indicate to people that you're good association, posting on social media in ways that indicate your good association and making your life more and more Jehovah's Witness like. Um, Whereas if you deviate, if you start being around worldly people or being around other witnesses who are bad association, who are around worldly people, then you might get ejected from your friend group. You might have uh, people who don't want to be around you or, you know, people who stop hanging out with you and stop inviting you over. So to maintain your friendships, you have to meet these appearances. Uh, and so once you have this culture where everyone is required to meet these appearances and conform and have this good association mentality, then there's a bunch of levers and knobs the elders can pull on to manipulate that and control the culture. And I, I would say the main ones, at least that I can think of, are the concept of privileges, marking and local needs talks, and private reproof. And I think the simplest one to talk about is private reproof, because private reproof is when you've done something wrong, they take you in the back, they scold you, you promise never to do it again, not very many people know about it. And I think that's important to note, your punishment changes depending on how many people know about it. And then you're not allowed to give public prayers. You're not allowed to do certain things. Uh, I believe commenting is one of them. And so if you're not commenting on watchtowers, people might think maybe you're approved. If you're not giving public prayers when you guys go to dinner somewhere, people might think you're approved. So you need to be commenting so people know you're in good standing. Yeah, that that can get really interesting too because because of that having that secretive nature to it, you end up putting people in the spot of, there's the whole gossip mill that starts up of like, well, maybe he did something or you can really put the person in an awkward spot. And I actually did this before when I was a, a book study conductor, but I was a, uh, or book study servant is what they called you. If you were a ministerial servant, I 
was conducting this meeting for the book study, called on this guy that was visiting to do a prayer. And he like looks at me with his eyes like wide open, mouth shut. But he was like terrified, shaking his head no that like, mm, I, I, can't, I can't do anything. And it dawned on me, it was like, oh my goodness, he's probably under private reproof and, and can't legally, you know, in organization terms, be able to represent anyone in prayer. So you end up creating a scenario where that can happen for this person where they just off the cuff get asked to do something that they would be forbidden to do or would get in trouble with, you know, if the elders found out. So all around, it's just a horrible scenario. Now, Matt, can you just can you just explain to our listeners because you know n- not everyone is a Jehovah's Witness, so not everyone knows the Bible very well. So, can you just explain to our listeners where in the Bible it says that if you do certain stuff, you are not allowed to comment on Watchtower? Uh, that's Hezekiah four six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna check that. So, yeah, I believe for you. real though. For real, is that the scripture that you turn to? Because I will look it up. Hold on. Uh. Yeah, you're probably not going to like it if you try to look that one up. I, you know, honestly, you, you, as as a as a you, not straight you, woman, I don't like a lot of the scriptures. You actually won't. You actually won't find that. Hezekiah one. trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after oh, him. You know what I just did? You might have to rewind that one. I, in my head, I used to like give a a Bible book verse of like of a like a. Oh, shoot. Like a name of a Bible character that sounds like a book, but it isn't a book. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I actually, in that in that instance, I did give one. Yeah, I did. You uh, accidentally gave it. I accidentally gave it. Yes. No, no, you didn't. You said you did. Hezekiah. No, you didn't. You said, you said Hezekiah, but when you look it up, it pulls up uh, 2 Kings 18. There is oh, no Hezekiah 4-6. Okay. okay, I was going to say, man. There's a, no, how long no, have I been 18, out? 18-5. So now you know, if you Google <laughs> <laughs> the fact that... Oh my God, uh, that's just she reversed it on me. She pulled it. Yeah, if reverse you, card. If you Google Hezekiah four six, you get Second Kings eighteen five. Oh, but I like man. that that tricked uh, you. That see, this is why we have scholars in this podcast just to, because... to to deliver false information. <laughs> no, no, to, to keep us to keep us on, on our toes because because otherwise I would I would have been like, yeah, that definitely sounds like a Bible verse. That definitely sounds like <laughs> like yes, it, the, it book the, <laughs> the book of That's Hezekiah. The book of Hezekiah. Everyone knows the book of Hezekiah. Yeah. It's one of those tiny books that nobody knows the name of. Yeah. So obviously, so yeah, to it, answer it, your it's, question, it's, a... it's nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> so how is it that Jehovah's Witnesses use it? it? Because I believe this is this is important when we talk about soft power. When we talk about how it's done in in the Jehovah's Witnesses religion, the Bible doesn't have anything to do with any of this. It's it's fully made to keep followers in line. Or you know maybe you know what I I take that back. Maybe we don't know how it is or why it is that that they do it, but. I think it is hard to to not be suspicious when you are invoking no scripture, you're taking things out of context, and you're using that to keep followers obedient. And uh, and I do want to say I forgot to mention there there's private and public reproof, right? So public reproof means you've done something you could be disfellowshipped for, and it's public knowledge. So we're going to announce that you've been reproved. And it has the same things as the private reproof, the same disadvantages, except everyone knows you've been reproved. And also they know that you were repentant. So they're basically saying we could have disfellowshipped you, but we didn't. And the uh, the public reproof, I have a real quick story, I think that might shock those of you who are not familiar with it. Um, we had a case where 
uh, an under a, a young couple um, were dating, and they um, they may have exchanged some inappropriate text messages. And oh, this story is horrible. Yeah, prepare yourself. It's so bad. Are you gonna give me flashbacks to being elder? Yeah, probably. Can, can can I can I tell this story? Because I was actually in their wedding. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. So this story. Don't don't um, be too identifying were, though. I will not. Okay. They were exchanging inappropriate text messages, and um, the uh the woman she, it was all over Facebook, and she still lived at home. And her mom is a snoop, and went onto her Facebook because we were exchanging these messages over Facebook, and her mom printed all of the messages including some not so great pictures gave it all to the elders and the elders read it to them over the course of like five weeks and asked them about every single text like you know did this make you like how did, did this turn you on stuff like that in a judicial and um, right? what and uh they were privately reproved Holy crap. And then the mother didn't think that was enough because the mother really wanted the um, the man to be disfellowshipped, even though she pushed her daughter into being engaged to him. And she wanted him disfellowshipped. So she told as many people as she could. And she said, don't go to their wedding. They did this. La, 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 la. And um, thankfully, they they were only publicly reproved. Thankfully. Wow. Um, and in fact, it was such a botched judicial case that one of the elders who was on the judicial committee went to the wedding and then stepped down as an elder. I mean, it was oh, wow. so cruel. The entire thing was cruel. Yeah. And so to, um, to be clear, her plan was to make it public so that it had to be upgraded from a private reproof. So that way they were publicly reproved. So that way everyone knew that they did something wrong. Because if if they won't say what they did, what they'll do is they'll announce brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so are either, either if they're disfellowshipped, are no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses or have been reproved. And if they are announcing two members of the opposite sex together, you know what happened. You know. Yeah, they got drunk, right? What? what? <laughs> they, I don't know. They, I, you I have no game. And yeah, and so you know, the, you know what happened. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, and so, uh, but the thing is that, like, then she went around and implied to people that the elders wouldn't like it if you went to the wedding, right? So she mm -hmm. weaponized the social aspect because the elders are never going to announce, "Don't go to this person's wedding." It, that stuff gets distributed socially. So by lying, by purposely spreading the information so it becomes a public reproof, and then by lying and saying that the elders don't want you to go to the wedding, she created a scenario where it became a thing in the hall that people thought to be a good witness, I can't go to this wedding. And that weaponizes the social aspects. And then it became a thing that like, even if you wanted to go to the wedding, you were worried that by going to the wedding, people are going to judge you because half the hall thinks the elders don't want them to go to the wedding. But thankfully half the hall, half the hall at least went to the wedding. So it kind of became a non-issue. And that's another um, form of but the soft mom, power the is not being able to get married to the in wedding. the hall. Mm -hmm. And the mom didn't go to the wedding. And uh, that's really sad. Matt, how do you how would you have handled this this situation? Does this situation sound at all yes. familiar oh. with, yes, elder with your experience as an elder? Oh man. Thankfully I never had anything that was uh quite to quite to that aspect. But that 
Now, are you, are you asking about what the mother did or or the actual scenario of what the the couple went through? Both combined. Oh, no, I'm saying if this, was, if this was like, yeah, if this was in your congregation, you are an elder. You're on the judicial committee. What would you committee. think would have happened? Yeah, hypothetically. And you're still peeny, okay? You're still peeny. Not you now. Yeah, obviously. So, you're so, not an elder and knowing what you know now. <laughs> so like if the if the mother comes out and is spreading that stuff too, what would I then do as an elder? Yeah. yeah. Yes. How would you oh, how would man. you reinforce this soft power? Like because it, you have to um, do something and, and it's you, hard you because have to clearly some, some, somehow, right? That yeah, would be but well and clearly your feelings are different now, and so that's gonna influence your answer a little bit because it's really, really hard to get back into that mindset. But Well, uh, you know, it, I guess it is a little bit difficult to to jump back into that and then, you know, be able to give an accurate answer on it. But the you know, I was the type of elder that always aired on the side of like caution and forgiveness. So thankfully I was never part of any disfellowshipping. Um, and all the, at least in the last congregation that I was in, um, the rest of the elder body was the very same way. So we were actually known as the lenient elder body in, in the entire area, um, almost to a fault. So, you know, for us, I, I could easily see coming away from that scenario and, and I could see a, a private reproof thing I could see getting extremely irritated with the mother and probably having to get some elders to give her some counsel on like, don't do this or whatever. But that's also a very tricky situation with, I, I really can't recall what happens if it then becomes public in that manner. If you then are basically yeah. forced to go ahead and make it public anyway, which th that might be the case. Um, I never ran across that myself, but um, I think it's, it, it would have definitely bothered me horribly, um, kind of like that brother. It might not have got me to the point of stepping down, but it would have bothered my conscience for a long time. Um, there are lots of elders that that would go home from their judicial meetings and things like that and just come home and start drinking um, huh. and, and just be upset, yeah, I can, I can, go off I can on their own. Um, I mean, it's so for, you know, as hated as elders are, and rightly so, um, there are a lot of them out there that like hate these scenarios that hate being in people's personal business. Uh, it's just such a foreign thing that you know, you got thrust into that situation. Um, it, it's horrible for everyone, but of course it, it, in no way is it any better. It's like absolutely the worst for the people that are having to endure that kangaroo court and then go through it. So yeah. like, it, it, that's just miserable. But Matt, I want to, I want to double click on something that you said. Um, you said that you were um, the known as the lenient governing body, almost to a fault. The leaning elder body. Yeah, the leaning elder. I was not part of the governing body. No. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll edit that out. You said you Liar. were known as. Yeah, I'm, I edit this, so I I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you said you were part of the elder. How how do you call it? How do you how do you elder body? Elder lenient body. elder okay. body. Okay, yeah. You said you were part of the lenient elder body almost to a fault. Why? Can we just check on on that? What is what is in what is it there for elders? How are elders affected by this soft power? Uh well, I mean for that particular because... group of guys, they were all incredibly loving, really genuinely did care about the people in the congregation. They were not the nosy type to just automatically be in your business. 
That's good. Um, it, 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 I I came from like it was like a unicorn of a congregation of what what the, if the governing body were to pick a congregation that they were like oh this is what every <laughs> congregation is like that would be the one that they should pick and highlight that one because that's just how those people were and that's it's part of what makes it so difficult for me trying to imagine any of my you know friends and family in that area ever waking up because that's the congregation that they have that they experience that love in the way that it is is technically designed to work yeah so with that particular elder body with them having that mindset it was always well we don't want to stumble someone out of the quote unquote truth um we would rather be more loving be like Jesus the shepherd and really in order to get you to be disfellowshipped you pretty much have to push them pretty hard and give them no way out to where as when they were going over the the kind of the criteria that you would use as an elder in in the judicial setting like is there if they're not giving you any outs to be able to jump to a repentance situation to make it a reproof it, it was only when their hands were absolutely tied and you weren't helping them at all that they would be a disfellowshipping so um, so for anyone else, you know, there, there were like rumblings that you would hear of other congregations that would talk about, um, oh, you know, well, you might be able to get away with such and such over in that congregation, but that would never work over here kind of, kind of a thing. And it, you know, thinking about it from this aspect, oh, oh what a horrible thing to be known as the loving group of <laughs> elders that were, that were lenient on you. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, my, my, the hall my mother went to was very similar to that. And it makes it incredibly hard to convince my mom of some of the abuses that I've seen personally, um, because, you know, in her experience, like she did some stuff and was a sorry. And uh, the elders like were super like the elders do everything they could in that old hall to not punish people. So she doesn't believe that people can be disfellowshipped short of just being the absolute worst person and being completely irrepentant. Mm. unrepentant right i am the worst person (laughs) so um yeah so next thing i want to talk about um is the concept of privileges so when privileges that sounds like something you'd want to have yeah who doesn't want privileges me i want privileges does someone want to explain privileges for me privileges I'll explain privileges. Privileges is what men get to do um, to not be absolutely bored out of their freaking minds in the hall. They get to do mics. They get to take care of people. They get to do shepherding calls. They get to do account stuff, even though sometimes they're not even doing it at all and their wives are doing it behind the scene. They get to um, walk around the parking lot as security guards. Yes. uh, When really they're just kind of BSing. In pairs. Yes. Obviously. BSing with their partner. Um, For women, though. The privilege of being a woman, you get to comment. No, can, no, 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 no. You can no, give no. demonstrations. Why, no. why you can, can go in a pioneer. ministry. You can, you can yes, pioneer. yes, uh, the same as men. You can. I'm talking about. <laughs> don't you don't you love pioneer? Don't you love walking for sixty hours you know, facing rejection? 70. It's, it's seventy thing. hours. And oh, I did it. Shoot. You were okay. Part and of the just to army. just to explain that less sarcastically, yes. <laughs> I get I had the privilege oh of being a part of a large army of women oh God. who get to bring other women into the fold of being oppressed. It's really great. Where they can't teach from the platform. No, well, you can give demonstrations. You just can't face the audience because somehow that's offensive. Well, then so, you're teaching. 
to explain it. Yes. In, um, because they're not teaching if you're not looking at them. So that sarcasm <laughs> is, is really well deserved. But to explain in a less sarcastic manner, privileges are... Oh, no, I wasn't being sarcastic at all. Yeah, privileges are labor that you get to do that requires you to be in good standing to have the right to do that labor. So cleaning the kingdom hall. Um, do you guys... Okay, running because the you're all men. Did you guys really think of it as labor? No, we thought of them as privileges like, because it showed, made, like, gave us like power. Running, like running the microphone really t- was way worse than sitting for the entire meeting? No. No, no it was no. way better. It yeah, was way better. Way better, better right? Something. Oh, yeah, it was better. Yeah, you weren't just because sitting Because the down. amount of brothers who gaslight women into thinking, like, this is a burden. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Men definitely do it. Men, look, if you are... One of the pros, like if you're an elder, and I'm sorry, Peems, we're going on this tangent, but if you're one of the pros, here's what you do. You get one of those rigid briefcases, right? Yes. One of those that, that, that just open like like just like like a laptop kind of. Yeah. Well, and the then you just put it like a laptop. And that is your working station for the whole meeting. And you can have everything set up. You can have your, your tablet over that. there. You can have your little cup of water. Mm-hmm. You can, And then you, you're just browsing articles because you're just preparing for some made up thing that uh, and you're an elder you're not expected to uh, to follow along and it's perfect that's why i wanted to be an elder because i wanted to have um uh, the lack not, of judgment the for briefcase. whatever the hell but it is a, you're a, doing but pro tip exactly pro tip here you need the one that has like it's on wheels and has a, has a telescoping handle and so then you know when you need oh, that sucker that, when it has oh. a handle and you're dragging it in you're you're the big boss that elder oh, that, means business. That power. elder takes care of the accounts. That elder has files on people to help people. I wish Great I elder. had thought of that. I would have just rolled into a meeting being like, what's up? Yeah, they you want some rolling. stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being they groomed for ministerial servant. Thank you very much. You've been grooming? I've been groomed for something. I, I, I was being I was being groomed for that. I, fortunately, that was the only thing that I was being, being groomed for. But yeah, oh. privileges are definitely... The only thing that makes I think a Jehovah's being a Jehovah's Witness somewhat enjoyable, even it's, and I think that's why women aren't allowed to do it. What was the name? Well, of, you're not allowed to be happy. What was the term for the Weirdo. person who stood by the door to greet people? The greeter? No, there was a word for it. Um, I mean, they were one of the attendants, I but I can't the remember. Ten- no, no, there's yeah, there's a specific term for the person who's standing by the door. Uh, so there yeah, was, it's a Walmart greeter. He gives you the coupons, right? There's a, so there's a role where like you you, are, you stand kind of near the door and you look for new people to come in, and you're kind of there to love bomb people. I mean, I mean like officially you're I there mean, to help. Women people were find assigned seats. to do that too. Uh, we we no like we would like rope kids into doing it. Like it was something that women and children did. You like kind of make an aisle. No, you, way. you do that during the interview. So when people come in, no, when people come in, like I was instructed to do this. People would tell me, you need to go make sure you stand by the door and greet people as they come in. Because if somebody new comes in, you want to make sure you greet them. And so, like, that is a, something that is pushed hard on a woman. Yeah. There you go. Women do have privileges. You're right. But you answer your privilege own question. privilege of talking a, to strangers. There's a specific role the privilege that of is love only bond. done during the meeting. Once it's underway, they have a man stand by the door. And mm-hmm. he's also, maybe it is a tenant, actually. And then he goes and does the count during the middle of the meeting. Um... But he stands by the door in case someone comes in and needs direction. But then you're right. I want like, that position. During all the breaks. Direction. 
um during all the you're right during all like the breaks uh the women all stand by the door too you know what though you're right because the biggest risk of going into a kingdom hall is getting lost in the like 500 square feet (laughs) they need somebody to direct them to their seat because they might not know where the chairs are all right so sorry it's just so dumb getting uh getting back on topic though the there's different privileges like being able to give the prayer at the end of the meeting is a big one, right? Uh, being able to read the watchtower or, or the smaller ones, like running the mics. Uh, there's doing the sound. There's cleaning. Um, oh, oh, I have a question for Elder Matt. Yes. Yes. Matt, why are women not allowed to do the Bible reading? Because it's not teaching. Because they count that as a teaching role that you're essentially getting. You're teaching the man to be able to read the scriptures publicly. Uh, Do you oh think my that's god! Bullshit? Oh, it's it's absolutely however, bullshit, but because I've never heard however, that before, reading... and it always made me so mad. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah but reading scriptures is fine as long as you're you're reading it to another woman in the platform, not by yourself. That you is that is what the Bible teaches. Even more mad when they changed the structure of the ministerial or ministry school to allow men to also give demonstrations. So now you cut women out even more. The one privilege that they had that was exclusive to them, you're like, you know, a few in particular. Like, just, you know, you now that thing that you rarely get to do. Now you never get to do it because we're going to assign it to your husband instead and your son. And like, it made me mad. It made me mad. It made me so mad. Like, oh, what a what a wonderful privilege for the brothers to be able to give demonstrations. Dude, they got everything. What do you mean? Sorry. No, it's fine. I'm so peeps, I'm I was... mute myself. So, so there's this ladder, right? <laughs> like we're at the bottom of the ladder. There's um, there's doing the, uh, there's doing the mics and uh, being an attendant, and then as you go up the ladder, there's um, you know doing the sound, reading the watchtower, uh, doing the stage, uh, giving the closing and opening prayers, and and those privileges are how elders indicate to the congregation that you are good association. If you are running the mics, if you are giving the closing prayer. It's an indicator that you're in good standing, that the elders are using you. Well, if you start losing privileges, it's an indicator that they're not very happy with you. And it's never stated outright, but these indicators give you a lot of leeway. Like, you can get away with a lot if you're being used and getting privileges. Whereas, if you don't have those privileges, people are already looking at you with skepticism, and then you're under a bigger microscope. But once you get a privilege, um, you can never give it up. Because losing a privilege is a sign that you're in bad standing. And so you're on this constant treadmill of having to slowly take on more and more work. And now, you know, some of the beginning stuff, like walking the parking lot and doing security, like that stuff is kind of nice. You get a break from meeting. But, you know, eventually you're doing accounts and you're a territory servant and you're doing more and more and more. And and you can never step back from anything without facing a lot of assumptions and social pressures because nothing is ever announced. Nobody ever says why you're leaving or why you're stepping down. If you're reproved, they're not supposed to ask. So it lets people fill in the gaps. And when they see you losing a privilege, it's assumed you did something wrong. Yeah, that that really creates uh, such a, such a good picture of how it actually works because uh, take several privileges like uh, being a pioneer or being... Uh, you know, an elder. So every step up that rung that you go, 
what they want you to do is they're essentially always dangling that carrot in front of you of like, you want this next privilege. You want to do this. So as an example, if you were an auxiliary pioneer or even a regular publisher in the congregation, you knew that the pioneers, every time the circuit overseer comes or whenever there's a circuit assembly or whatever, that you're going to have the pioneers have their special meeting that they get together. And you, by the way, it's nothing special. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's nothing special, but that's the trick. They get you to think that maybe they're getting some extra special teaching about making the ministry that much better or making them love it more, or they're able to be better teachers. And so, you know, when they try to encourage someone to auxiliary pioneer, that extra bit of encouragement they give them is that, oh, you know, well now we'll let, let you sit in on the pioneer meeting for a little bit. But then of course they then will, or at least they used to, I can't remember if they do that now. Uh, they then will dismiss the auxiliaries. And so only the full-time pioneers get the full meeting. They get whatever yeah, happens they, afterwards. Yeah, they, they don't do that anymore. They don't do more. Okay. Uh, um, I don't think they do. But it's I didn't actually even know that they did that. That's really, that's part of my French. That's really shitty. Yeah, well, it's a similar <laughs> like, thing. Like, that's really shilly, shitty. Yeah, well, it's similar. You know, I'm, I may be mixing that one up a little bit with what they do with elders and servants, too. Because I, I know at least way back when auxiliaries would not be allowed to go to the pioneer meeting. And so many years ago, they made oh, it, yeah. they made the, they were like, well, if you're auxiliary pioneering during the month of the circuit overseer stay, you mm-hmm. can go to that meeting too. So it was some, it was a mix of something like that to where um, that carrot was dangled in front of them even more to let them have that extra privilege to go. But what I was talking about, like kind of applies to elders and servants too, of, you know, the servants are invited to attend the first half of the elders meeting. And what ends up happening, of course, is after the first hour, the circuit overseer dismisses all of the servants. And it's kind of an odd thing of where you'll have some of the elders that have like that smug look on their face of like, I get to stay. I I get to hear the really important stuff that you are not qualified to hear and to listen to. Which is so dumb. Oh, absolutely. And so for the servants that leave, they they could leave thinking, oh, what am I missing out on? You know, I, I can't wait to be an elder so that I can get that part too. And so it's always that little thing. They want you to think that there's something else that you're missing. But if you go that next step up, then that's what you're going to get it. And oh, go ahead. No, continue. I, I just uh, continue. Well, there are aspects of that that I, I only learned when I when I was living outside of the country. I had, um, you know, the, the coordinator of our congregation was uh, a sub CEO special pioneer um him and his wife had graduated from like couple school and i found out from him of how conversations work within different status levels within the organization and i kind of knew and had glimpses of this when i was a pioneer and when i was a servant when i was an elder because you're always told that when you talk about the privileges and responsibilities that you have you're supposed to speak of them in a positive light so that all these people that you're speaking to, it makes them want to do the same thing. So you're not going to be straight up with them and give them all the pros and the cons with it. You're always going to make it look like it's enticing, something that they want to do. So as an elder, you're not going to give all the dirt to a servant and tell them all the horrible things about being an elder. And, you know, yeah, that would make them stumble. Yeah. Exactly. So and that that went all the way up and down the ladder. And so I found out that that even applied with uh special pioneers and missionaries 
the conversations that they have with each other, they're not going to say that to us regular pioneers or us regular publishers. Same thing with circuit overseers. There's information that they keep compartmentalized that they're not going to share with anyone who's not in that level with them because it's it's almost like a well you can't handle what i know kind of a thing so it's so arrogant yeah i mean it's the same it's an extension of what they do to women in the congregation like kind of the infantilization of people that are not in the same position as you and frankly it's insulting um because if i'm being honest i don't think many of the privileges in the kingdom hall or in the congregation are actually that burdensome outside of maybe shepherding calls and dealing with people's issues um which they're not qualified to deal with um i don't think a lot of those things are burdensome outside of like some halls that pile a lot of things on like one brother which really really sucks for that one brother um you know the whipping boy that they have in every hall um (laughs) that was was me that's there till like 11 o'clock at night on wednesday thursday tuesday whenever your midweek meeting is yeah that was me But the way that the way they kind of like, I mean, like you said, they make it seem like something desirable. Um, And what sucks for women in particular about that is you can't do it at all. So everyone's talking positively about this thing. And then you have your husband telling you, oh, well, you know, it's such a burden. And yeah, there's negative things about it, but there's like negative things about work too. There's negative things about friendships. You know, just because there's negative things doesn't make it not worth doing. And if you believe in the religion, you're going to want to do those things, especially because they make them seem so positive. And so it can be so frustrating as a woman to then like, you know, all this, <laughs> all you, you're surrounded by men who are whining about the fact that they don't have the privileges they want. And you're like, oh, poor you. Well, then, like, it really kind of sucks. Yeah, well... All the way around. They make it seem like this exclusive club. And if you're not in the in-group, you're never going to be a part of it as a man or a woman. And if you're a woman, you're definitely never going to be a part of it. And, like, it's so isolating and wrong. I hate it. What What I liked about what he just said, Dax, is that the only value in it, the only the only thing that you're missing out... Based on what Matt just said, that smug smile that you give that, hey, I get to stay. That's it. That's all the value you get. You you don't get anything else. Everything else sucks because you have to stay more. <laughs> and then you, you, you can't sleep very well like that day because it, yeah, it's like but... usually in, in the midweek. Everything else sucks except for the illusion. And that is something that witnesses are very good at perpetuating. That if you're not enjoying, this is a special meeting. Therefore, you should believe this is special. And if you don't believe this is special, this is a you problem. Oh, here so is, you just internalize here, Here's it. what I will, I will argue against that. Because women are expected to pioneer. Whether you work or not. Women are yeah, often portrayed true. in the watchtower or in the you know, videos as not working. Most women in the organization work and they're expected to pioneer and they're expected to do early morning service to try to make that work. They're expected to do evening service to try to make that work. They're expected to do phone witnessing to make that work. They're expected to do everything they can to make that work. And so I apologize for this, but when people tell me, oh, you know, those privileges really exhaust you, I think it's bull. I don't, it's not that I don't think they're exhausting. It's that it's not more exhausting than pioneering. It's not more exhausting than the expectations placed on women, but it is a position that is higher 
And that's frustrating. Oh, pioneering. Because women are often looked down on as, you know, oh, well, you know, you probably live off of your parents or your dad or whatever. Most pioneer sisters support themselves and each other. They live in these houses together so that way they can live. And that's all they do. And it's hard. And it's really only expected of women. If a, if a brother, whether a ministerial or not, ministerial servant or not, isn't pioneering, nobody bats an eye. But if I was a single sister and I wasn't pioneering, regardless of whether or not I lived at home or with roommates, doesn't matter, people would look down on me. Because yeah, if you're but- not married and you don't have kids, why aren't you pioneering? It, and if you're working 40 hours a week, what the hell are you doing? I agree with you. Pioneering of all the things that I ever did, because I did it for 11 years, give or take. That was the... <gasps> that was. I did it for two years and I burnt out like a candle. <laughs> it was miserable. I, I hated pioneering. Um, it's the only way, so bad. The only way I could survive it was the fact that I lived out of the country. I did foreign language and things like that. And so that made it easier. So it was purely selfish mm-hmm. on my part when we did those or things. If, or if you join like uh, LDC and you do... Yeah. Or you do and relief I, work. And I did that. Or you do construction... And m- not everyone can do that. And I, it always drove me nuts that there was this huge expectation that every single sister pioneers and nobody really cares about whether or not the brothers pioneer. They don't like there is no social ramification within the organization to for a brother to not pioneer. Not yeah. as much. Um... He has to go out and service. But they, I've never, ever, ever seen somebody say, well, he should be pioneering. He might yeah, need women. to pioneer they to say, get oh, a date. They say, oh, he should be a ministerial servant, but they'll never say he should be pioneering. To get a date or to get into Bethel, you, you're usually expected to pioneer, right? But- well, you were in my time. I think nowadays you're just expected to sign up and then they just ship you to Bethel because they're losing Bethelites. Are they? As far I as I know. I thought they, they started they're... reducing the amount that they took into Bethel. Yeah, but they're also losing people. So mm. I, as far as I know, if, if you apply now to Bethel, you get accepted immediately. Oh. Uh, but mm. uh, uh, that is that is down in my neck of the woods. So I don't, I don't know mm. if, if that's the same around the world. I don't know. The other thing I was going to mention, kind of going back to what you were, you were saying, Pimo, was about, you know, you work so hard to get these, you know, quote unquote privileges. But then the second that they need to be relinquished, either where you're you're needing to give it up on your own, or perhaps you've you've lost it from no longer being in good standing, that is a horrific process for a witness to go through because of how all that social pressure works. And when you bounce in and out of those rungs, you know what people talk about. Once uh-huh. you know, yeah. once you're in that pioneer in group, or the elder in group, or the servant group. When you leave the group, you know what happens and how people talk when like, oh, well, that person can't do it anymore. And so usually it means even if there was no actual announcement made, assumptions are made. And it means that either, well, you did something wrong, you've gotten in trouble. And so now that's that's why you don't have that privilege anymore. Or that you were evidently not doing things quite right. And so Jehovah wasn't blessing you and you didn't trust him enough to give you the strength to be able to continue through with it. So either way, something is wrong with yeah. you because what you've yeah. been taught as a witness for your whole life is that Jehovah can give you the power to do anything. You just rely on him. So when Jehovah offers you privileges and opportunities, you don't turn those things down. And then of course, there's a little footnote. They have the thing that says, oh, well, be modest in recognizing your limitations. <laughs> but that for the most part gets completely ignored and all the yeah. focus goes on, well, what are you not doing right? 
Yeah, you're going to err on the side of caution. And mm-hmm. I, I like that because there is even a system, uh, like an informal system, when, when you step down uh, as, as an elder, where if you step down and you're still like in good standing, the other elders are like, oh, can you, can you please just do the, the, the last prayer? So people know that after they announce you, like you still got to do the prayer, therefore you're good. Yeah, that is something that it's it's almost institutionalized in in, in congregations that no one really talks about. If someone uh, steps back, their only saving grace is if they do the the the. Yeah, it's the difference the between them having a privilege taken away and them stepping down. Yeah. I'd actually exactly. never heard of that. Know this as a witness. I'd never that, heard of that until it. Falling Tower made his video. Yeah, so that guy, that, that guy me. makes great videos. I don't know. I guess awfully weird, but you know, I'll take your word for they, it. He needs to put um, some more content here. He might, he might do something. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. So they did that with me. Um, and what's funny about it is when I stepped down, uh, the, the the elder body knew why I stepped down, which was that I was having severe issues with doubts. Uh, and they didn't really know how far gone that I was, but they knew the reason I stepped down was because I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience do it anymore. And even knowing that, they still had me say the 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 prayer at the meeting so that everyone would know. So yeah, you're right. That is kind of like generally known of like if someone hears an announcement of that, oh, Mr. Falling Tower is no longer serving as an elder, but they kind of put it, they're like, well, wait a minute, he just said the prayer a little bit ago. So maybe everything's okay and and he just he he'll be back on it, you know, sometime soon. Yeah. You know what that yeah. kind of reminds me of? Um when you accept a privilege, um, and this 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 one's a little bit universal, and you step down probably for mental health reasons because you're stressed because you're in a cult. Um, if you say that you quit being blank, people will correct you and say you've stopped doing it, but you'll pick it up again. Yes. Like oh. if you if you quit pioneering, they say no, you've you've uh, you've um, paused or like you know they'll they'll imply like you'll pioneer again yeah like you'll, you'll and get it, around it, it, like, to it soon yeah don't worry you're, you're weak right like, now but clearly worry. like there's something wrong with you for stepping yeah. down and that has a lot of power too in the way that people talk about relinquishing privileges yeah. um they make it sound like if you quit because you don't want to do it they demonize it which we've yeah, already established no but not just that they use language that is going to force you to have to do it again, whether you want to or not. Yeah, there's no reason for you to step down. Siri, as 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 the fallen tower just said, there's no reason to step down. Jehovah will give you the power. Jehovah will give you the will. So, did you just not trust in Jehovah? Is that is that's that it? What, don't don't you you you'll go back to pioneering? Yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely a huge form of power and something that again, it's part of the Jehovah's Witness culture. But it's based on nothing. It's it's just it's just um a way to control Jehovah's Witnesses. But it's not it's not based on their beliefs. It's not based on the Bible. It's not based on anything. But the way I see it, the the desire and need to control people. It's so, so detrimental uh, to like your your ideas and your and your views about yourself in the congregation when that happens because you you know what everyone is talking about and you know you're no longer in the club anymore of whatever mm-hmm. particular yeah. spot you were in the club and a wonderful example of that i don't know if you've ever listened to uh, an interview if i'm remembering the story correctly an interview with the guy who 
created the Kevin McFree um, YouTube channel of when he yeah. stepped down as an elder and a pioneer or wasn't able to be an elder and pioneer anymore, the way that the way that the other fellow elders that he was excluded essentially now from conversations that would normally have now they don't really know what to talk with him about. And so it's just like, you can see you're not in that click anymore. And you start to feel like you guys have mentioned that isolation just because you couldn't do this particular privilege anymore. Yeah. And I think, uh, to, to further expand on, on the privileges, it is something that you, you, can't, you can't see. You think when you are a, a man and you are baptized, you're like, okay, so the goal is to be ministerial servant. And then, you know, that's how I'll show that I'm a, I'm a good Jehovah's Witness. But when you get to be a ministerial servant, you're not like, now I'm a Je good Jehovah's Witness. No, you're like, oh, no, now the goal is to become a, um, an elder. And then when you are an elder... The goal should be to become some sort of like circuit overseer or something. Going to Bethel. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, are you? What's the next step? Yeah. What What did What did Sam Hurd said? Is your best good enough? And that is a never ending uh, wheel because even if you are like, okay, I'm gonna be a Bethelite and then I'll be good. There are so many roles in Bethel. So mm -hmm. what kind of Bethelite are you gonna be? It's a ladder that doesn't end until mm -hmm. you are at the governing body level. Yeah. And I think that's why we see the governing body members being so out of touch because they're up on that ladder and they are the only Jehovah's Witnesses who have made it. Therefore, they are the only Jehovah's Witnesses who feel like they don't have to keep making an effort anymore. It was funny. I, well, and I had, um, after I had come out of living out of the country, uh, in, you know, in a foreign country and in my the congregation I was in um, when I when I woke up and left um, at that time, I had you know pulled the modest excuse of like, okay, I'm not doing anything right now other than being an elder and whatever responsibilities come with being an elder. And at a uh, a certain I can't even remember what the event was now. They had this guy that basically was being used by the circuit overseer to go around to all the elders in this uh, you know in this like training group that we were a part of. Uh, it might've been even in one of the, the last elder school that I was in. And he was basically trying to pick out who the young elders were going to be, that they could start encouraging to do more, to, you know, keep, keep on going, keep Grooming? on going. And so I saw this guy going around. He comes over to me, sits down next to me, doesn't know anything about me or my history. And he starts doing the, Oh, what are you doing to, to reach out and to do more? And I was like, well, honestly, you know, where I'm kind of taking a break right now because of, you know, I've done so much over the past like decade of things. Um, I really just, you know, using this to be modest, recognizing, you know, my limitations of this in my family right now, that this is what we're, this is what we've decided to do of just be strong in the local congregation. And that wasn't enough for him. So he kept pushing. He's like, well, have you ever considered, um, you know, pioneering before? And I was like, oh yeah, I pioneered for 11 years. And, you know, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of like goes, he's like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I can't use that one. Um, then yeah, he goes, that's a long time. Yeah. Then he's like, yeah. well, have you, um, what, what about, um, uh, learning a foreign language or anything? Have you done that? I'm like, Oh yeah, I oh did. I did that for a while. Um, and then he's like, well, what about like traveling to a new congregation and knee I'm like, yeah, I lived out of the country for a few years. And so every single thing that he was trying to hit me, I had already done it. And it was like, of course he wants to present them as these wonderful opportunities. And I'm like, 
No, I've been there, done that. It's miserable. And that's why I'm here right now taking a break. Do you guys <laughs> think that the worst part of those privileges, whether that's need grading, pioneering, whatever, isn't so much the task, but the social pressure that comes along with it? Because for me, what kicked me out of pioneering was not going door to door. It was the pressure to... <laughs> that's not that's a sexual term. I was going to say the pressure to perform. Um, but yeah, that. that's like... Okay, I'm going to say it. Like, the, the pressure to reach this certain standard, that is hard because, don't get me wrong, pioneering was not great, the actual act of it, right? But what kicked me out of pioneering was not going door to door. It was the fact that one of the sisters in the hall would get angry at me if I didn't go out with her every single day. And there was a social oh. pressure to just accept that. And she's batshit crazy. <laughs> and... I'm sorry, she is. And Oh yes, I know. Um like she'd pull over on a highway and be like, Get out, get out, there's a person walking, go, go, go. And like if you what? didn't, she was like, Satan's gonna get you. She was she was she <laughs> was holy crap. And she, she stood up during the uh the service meeting one day, the one day that I was like, I made plans with somebody else. And she was go she stands up in the middle of the service meeting and says, Do you not want to work with me? Oh wow And um and but here's the thing, that's not a unique experience. There are much more passive aggression passive aggressive versions of that. Like Matt was talking about how this brother is trying to find some way to like kind of not guilt you into taking on more privileges, but socially pressure you to do so. Uh -huh. So do you guys think that the social pressure that these privileges have, because you're visible. If you're pioneering, you're visible. If you're a ministerial servant, you're visible. And like we talked about, if you step down, that is very a very, very visible drop in your spiritual bank account, right? Yeah, your status. So do you think that the pressure of maintaining that status is what makes those privileges difficult? Or do you think that the privileges themselves are difficult? For me, I think it's, there's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's the status for me. If, if I I felt like if I wasn't um, doing everything with the mics just right, if I was fumbly or I didn't have good stance, that you know maybe I wouldn't get considered for other privileges. And if I don't move along, I'm going to look bad. Yeah, I think for me it's a, it's a little bit of both, and it depends on what the privileges that we're talking about. Because I hated pioneering despite doing it for so long. Why? It was the oh yeah. Uh, Why? What was, did you hate about it? Uh, I. I hated door-to-door -door work. I hated Same. going to speak to people because I'm very non-confrontational. So going to someone's door, knowing that I'm bothering them already mm -hmm. bothers me. And so it just, it's very nerve wracking for me. Um, so that physical aspect of pioneering and going out in service was miserable for me. Uh, but the other aspects of work, I didn't mind because I like doing work behind the scenes where no one knows what I'm doing. Like it's it's like I'm I'm in that way it was like I was giving secretly to Jehovah I wasn't in the limelight mm -hmm. for something it's, and I felt yeah. more fulfilled in doing those because I could I was like the treasurer for the operating committee and those and weren't burdensome were they I didn't feel that they were burdens they were a lot of work but I was like I'm doing this for Jehovah and so I yeah. don't mind doing yeah. it so I didn't mind those yeah and so that's kind of my point is you know those visible jobs is what are terrible mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with the non visible jobs but the ones that give you social power, because here's the thing, if you're the account servant and people know you're the account servant and they don't see it, you still have social power. Yeah. But you get to, like, that's between you and, like, what you're doing is not super visible. 
Um, so that's kind of an easy pass. But, but the typically status you're not gives you just, power. Typically you're not you're just that. the account servant. Also, Matt, my service, you want to hear my service presentation for the last six months of my pioneering? Sure. Hi, my name's Danielle, and I am offering to you and your neighbors a free at-home Bible study. If you would like one, let me know. If you do not want one, please be very honest with me, because I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want you to waste my time. That is too confrontational uh, for Jehovah's Witness. And then, right? no, that's, because that's, I was like, I was so sick of trying to trick people in the Bible studies. I was like, if they want it, they want it. God will give it to them. You know, If they want it, Jehovah will use this presentation of this blunt, just do you want a Bible study or not? I actually was not far off from doing something similar. Um, what I would it generally felt do- less confrontational. I, I left- I would usually have a magazine or something and say, mm-hmm. I, and if, if you're interested, this is something for you to read in, in you know, spare time, whatever. But if you're interested, we offer a free, you know, home Bible study program. And at least that way it kind of weeded out people. Now I didn't in, when I was in English and where I lived there, I didn't have a lot of Bible studies. So it meant that at least I wasn't wasting my time, uh, trying Returning. to have these awkward conversations with people. So instead, I was just going door to door and hoping. I'm like, please don't answer the door. Please don't answer the door. Please don't answer the door. <laughs> I know. I used to I used to knock so lightly. And I went out in service with a friend's mom. She was visiting our town from uh, Western Pennsylvania. And she looks at me and she goes, honey, you're, no one's going to answer the door if you knock like that. And she <laughs> resurrection knocks. And uh, that's what she called it. Oh, my God. And she was, oh, like, she was like, if you want them to be resurrected, you got to knock like this. And like bangs on the door, and I um, look. It was the only privilege she was allowed to have. She had to leverage it somehow, right? That's true. (laughs) Honestly, that woman is kind of a badass. But um, (laughs) I, I do want to say, resurrection knocker. um, There is one privilege that women can get that I forgot about, and I'm actually not joking here. I'm actually not joking here uh, because I remember my mom calling me like ecstatic about having received this privilege. Oh my god! Feeding I'm already, groups. I'm already. <sighs> oh yeah, that's actually real. Women are the ones no, who prepare food. That right? is not an exclusive privilege. That's true, but like, like, um, feeding the circuit overseer, feeding the not even that. No, um, you introduced that as the one privilege women have that is just theirs. That's fair, but no, that that's not what not I said. I said it's a privilege, privilege women can obtain. No, no, uh, we'll, we will listen to this again, and you will be wrong. Okay, maybe that's the case. Play the recording. I'm not going to edit it. Play, play the it tape. back. Play it no, back. Uh, but yeah. What, yeah, let's let's play it back. But, yeah, my my yeah. mother yeah. lives. What's the timestamp? How long have we been recording? Because my, my mother okay. lives near. Um, I'm remembering. Well, this. I guess I don't want to say that, but um, a major facility, and she got to feed um, a member of the governing body, and that was a major privilege. Uh, and like people will, oh. you know, get to feed uh, the school or. Uh, or pioneer group and stuff like that. And that is a privilege because you have to be in good standing to get that. And my mom was excited because um, there was, that's a story for another day, but my, my father also did some social manipulation to harm my mother in the organization. And so a lot of people have assumed that she was disfellowshipped or reproved or in bad standing when she wasn't. And she had no way to visibly indicate that to people and her getting to feed people was a way to signal that she was in good standing and she was excited about it. That's so sad. And there's also, very few like ways to for out, women to signal that they're not in, that they're in good standing. I, I would love to point out that 
My Little Pimo's mom is the saddest case of a witness I've ever heard. She's a college-educated woman who is extremely smart, who has been brainwashed into thinking that men are smarter than women, inherently. Internalized Because of those talks given about, like, the woman's brain being 10% smart, blah, 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 blah. And it is so sad because, honestly, if she had never become a witness, I think she could have been a scientist or a psychologist or something. And Something useful, you mean? Yeah, and it's really depressing because she is intelligent. She'll say something intelligent and then she'll go, you know, but I'm just, I'm not that academically minded. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's constantly discounting herself for saying, oh, you know, I learned this from a man. And mm-hmm. you're like, but you retained it and you understand it and you actually explained it better. So why are you discounting? It's so sad. All right. So let's go to the next section, uh, which is my last section here. Uh, and that is local needs and marking talks. Now, I had one last video to show you guys. Okay, so Dex, I'm showing you this because you haven't seen it. Um, this guy is Chris just, Stuckman. We're just going to put... Go, go, oh, do, do you want to explain the video beforehand? Yeah, yeah. So this, this guy okay, is, okay. is Chris Sorry. Stuckman. He's a YouTuber uh, who does film reviews. He has 2 million subscribers. He's pretty large on YouTube. Um, uh, he recently made a video where he came out as having grown up a Jehovah's Witness. And he's been quiet about it because he doesn't want to be shunned. Um, and he discusses... Well, recently, like a year ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, I saw, I was recommended this video by the YouTube algorithm, algorithm very hard, and I did not watch it because it's like an hour and 57 minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's I'm like not going to show you the whole video. Though. I'm just going to show you a key point yeah. of it. And I hate that he has that many bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> so this part is where he talks about how when he was young, he had a YouTube review channel where he reviewed movies. And the elders told him to stop that. First time I got a Christmas present, I was actually, um, I, I was like uh, shaking because I thought that I was sinning and <laughs> so crazy. I started talking about movies on the internet. They were very innocent reviews, no language, no cursing. I was still living with my parents at the time. And uh, eventually the elders uh, became aware that I was talking about movies on the internet and they had a meeting with me. And in so many words, they suggested that they didn't like that. Now, they couldn't outright tell me, you know, they couldn't state in a sentence, do not review movies on the internet anymore. They couldn't state that because they know there is no biblical precedent for saying that. But man, they did everything but say it. They made it as clear as you possibly could. You'd have to be a complete imbecile to not understand that they were saying you probably should shut down your YouTube channel. So I did. You might remember if you watched me at that time that I uploaded a video in which I explained without really explaining anything that making these reviews, uh, it's come to my attention that in some way it is harming myself or my family and it could be uh, detrimental to them. Well, I have some very unfortunate news that I want to talk to my subscribers about. Um, For certain reasons, I am unfortunately going to not be doing any more movie reviews. Um, it's very difficult for me to be able to explain it to some of you because uh, it's largely a very personal matter. Some things have happened in my life and in my family's life and I need to make some reassessments about some of my priorities. so, so I won't be drinking. You know? <laughs> it's so sad because he's done absolutely and nothing. 
yeah. does yeah. nothing With wrong at all. And he's and so I, upset. I can see myself there. It's, yeah. It's exactly I, uh, what I, I would have done. It's so heartbreaking. I've been there. I greatly enjoyed the very kind feedback I received from all of you. Um, majority of the time. <laughs> uh, I distanced myself. I stopped going to the Kingdom Hall. I stopped going door to door. And a few weeks later, I find out that I have been what's called marked. Marked is not the same as disfellowshipped. When a person in the faith is marked, it means that an elder has given a talk or a speech to the entire congregation. In my case, the congregation that I went to had about 100 to 120 people. So he's standing in front of this crowd and he's talking about a certain kind of conduct that may apply to people in the congregation. They do not name the individual, but they make it as explicitly clear who it is. Similar to not being able to actually say, don't make YouTube videos, but making it very clear that's what they're saying. So they gave a talk about me <laughs> and they didn't warn me or my family. So my family's sitting there hearing a talk about their son Someone in the congregation involved in discussing entertainment on the internet is not to be associated with unless he or she is actually present at the kingdom hall. So it's essentially being disfellowshipped, except for the fact that if you go to the kingdom hall, they can talk to you. So I have had this exact same situation. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, after he got appointed MS, was being groomed to be a very young elder in the Spanish hall, like because they cannot appoint, they they have a shortage of elders. Um, he wouldn't. He suddenly wouldn't go to Marvel films with me because he knew it might stumble some people. And since Thor is in the universe, he wouldn't go to Avengers. He wouldn't go to any Marvel films. He also walked he was out worried of. It might stumble someone. He also walked out of Lamez because there was Catholics in it. Yeah, he, he walked out like oh. five minutes into it. You can't have Catholics in your movie. Well, I have something not not terribly different from what he's experiencing here. Um, in one of the congregations that I grew up in, um, one of my buddies was a was a ministerial servant. We were both servants, and he had watched uh, the Lord of the Rings film, mm. uh, or or one of oh, them no. at, at the oh, time. No, so it came. You know, he wasn't one that was like out openly advertising it or do whatever. Um, and plenty of people had seen it. So it wasn't just him, but it came about, you know, came came out that he had watched um, Lord of the Rings. And so one of the elders comes up to him and tells him that if he goes to see those films anymore, that they are going to remove him from being a servant because of the spiritistic nature of the movies. When I found out, I was absolutely shocked because <laughs> this elder, I was very good friends with him. I had been through his movie collection before and he had movies like The Mummy and mm -hmm. stuff all throughout his. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've, I had seen Lord of the Rings myself. I had seen The Mummy. The Mummy was way worse to me as a spiritistic <laughs> film than yeah. any of the Lord oh, of the Rings yeah, right. things. And so I'm like pot calling the kettle black here and here you are threatening to remove someone of their status while you've got that movie in your you know personal collection did you say there. it 
I didn't. And that, that's the thing ah. that's like so strange to me and, or not strange. It's like, it's, it's indicative of how the culture works of like, well, yeah. I was just a lowly servant. What am I going to tell an elder? Well, that's, um, yeah, I don't know if you listened. I, I don't know if you listened to my interview with Mara Fade, the anointed, um, extra hope witness. And one of the experiences she had, cause she's very into video games. Um, an elder came over to her house and, and like went through her video game collection and was like, Oh no, these are all bad. But then he had like mass effect and all hmm. these different like M rated games. And she, he made her get rid of Kingdom More Hearts. Like Mass Erect, he right? said that he said that Kingdom Hearts was spiritistic because you cast magic, and and uh, he had like all these like super spiritistic movies, super spiritistic games, so same experience, and that was so frustrating for her because one, it's a video game, so you have progress, right? And so if you throw it away, you lose all your progress in your games. Um, two, that's just. I mean, like you talked about, it's upsetting in general to see that kind of hypocrisy and like the way that they can wield that power over somebody and yet do the exact same thing and not have any consequences. So it's gross. I have an example that feeds into it and leads me where I'm trying to go with this. So what happened to Chris Stuckman is after he got a little pushy with the elders and continued doing his YouTube or resumed doing his YouTube, they did a marking talk which is where for the local needs part, a brother goes up on stage and gives a talk saying, if people in the congregation are doing this spiritually dangerous activity, uh, you should avoid that. We should avoid doing that and we should avoid people who do that thing. And those marketing talks basically are a subtle indicator to people that you are bad association. They didn't name you, but they named the thing you do. Most people know it's you, and now you're bad association. Now, the, the thing with a marking talk is it, it immediately drops your uh, standing in the hall, right? People are not going to associate with you. You are now automatically bad association. But there's not a great way to remove the mark. And, you know, unlike being reproved, right, where there's a period of time where you don't have privileges and they automatically come back after so many months, um... It, the matter is settled. With a marking talk, you have to stop in the, engaging in the behavior, but people are still going to avoid you. And so how do you indicate to people that you've stopped the behavior? You, you can't really. So once you're marked, you are socially isolated for a long time. And Chris says in his video that there's no way to remove the mark. And that's actually not true. There is a way to get rid of a mark once you've been marked. And that is to get privileges which puts you back on that treadmill. And basically, you have to donate labor and be seen doing things and getting privileges to indicate socially to people that you are no longer marked. That's if you're a man. If you are a woman, I don't know what you do. There's no privileges you can get. I mean, you could pioneer, um, but being marked I can tell you what you do. You, you have to get into the in-group with the elders' wives, mm. which is very hard. <laughs> And uh, if you're seen associating with the elders' wives, people will assume that you're good association. Because what do they who do they direct women to when women have issues? Like if a woman is being beaten or raped by her spouse, who do they send her to? Do the any of you know? Wives. The elders' wives. They say, oh, well, you know, it would be inappropriate for me to talk to her. And they send her to the elders' wives or a mature person in the congregation who is a, a woman. And so if you are seen 
associating with those people regularly outside of the hall, that can restore your reputation. But that's a lot of work and it might not work. Like for me personally, because of the way I am um, and the slanderer in our hall, uh, he basically warned all of... (laughs) So dumb. He warned all of the men in the hall that I'm a feminist and that I'm going to make their wives hate him or hate them. Like all their wives will hate them if they associate with me. And, and, you know, you don't want your wife to hate you. And, like, she might stop sleeping with you. She might stop, you know, she might try to leave you. And so, you know, don't let her associate with Danielle. And uh, it worked. And that was without a marking talk. So it's really, really difficult if you're marked as a woman to get back in that in-group. It's almost impossible. And if you can't, I've only seen one person do it. But, you know, about the marking talk, it's it's very interesting how it works. Because... It uh, speaks to the invisibility of uh, soft power that that we were speaking about, uh, that that we were talking about before. Because when I saw this video, I was thinking, oh, come on, Chris, that's marking. That's not something Jehovah's Witnesses do. Without realizing that I was marked myself, (laughs) I just didn't know. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's not like you get a manual of this stuff. You just... You, you, you didn't know. It's and not I like somebody smart. tells you, by the way, that talk was for you. <laughs> exactly. And, and that this is how I started fading and becoming uh, a pomi because I had like this worldly girlfriend for, for like a little bit. It was a, it was a horrible relationship. I, I, I didn't know how to handle it because I was in a, indoctrinated. It was a bad relationship. But at, some, at one point, I obviously took her to the kingdom hall. It was a short relationship anyway. And. So the the brothers in the congregation, the elders, I was friend with the elders before, but they had moved uh, the elders around. So I didn't really know the elders, the new elders that well. So when I came back to the to, to the congregation, um, after that time where my girlfriend like showed up, we had broken up already. Uh, it was I hadn't been going to the meetings that often because it was it was a very a very hard situation. And I felt like I really wanted to go to the elders because I felt like I had done something wrong. Um, and, you know, having a worldly girlfriend or whatever, and I was looking for spiritual counsel. And I, at that point, I, I saw them as the shepherds that they teach us that they are. I didn't really know them that well, but that's how I saw them. And it was horrible because I was sitting there in the in, in the back room and they were talking to me and I wanted to ask for their help but they kept asking invasive questions and I didn't know why until it got to the point where the elder just directly I, I was trying to be like no it's just like that's not that's not how it goes it's, I didn't really do anything with her I, I never did anything with her right and I didn't know how to express that because the elder, there was, it got to the point where the elder just did not believe me. And then he said, well, if you are not willing to admit anything at this moment, then we can't really do anything right now. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what does he mean? Can't do anything. Exactly. I, does he mean like that we is can't what punish I you? Does he mean we can't help you? What does he mean by Ex- that? That is what I thought. Cause I went there for spiritual counsel. And I didn't know that the guy was only there 
to figure out how to disfellowship me. He believed that I had sinned. He knew that I had sinned, even though I hadn't. And he was there just to establish the basis for a judicial committee. And if there was no basis for a judicial committee... He was interrogating you. Yeah, there was nothing, nothing he can do because what else is he going to do? There's no basis for a judicial committee. And that, I was so heartbroken about that that I just stopped going to meetings. And I wish I hadn't because I stopped going to meetings and it, it took me eight years after that to realize that I was that I had been lied to. It took me eight years to wake up. So it's just, it is a very, very, I, I, it's, it's, I'm probably rambling right now, but it, it's very odd to me because even when you experience something and even when you know that that is the truth, you are willing to do your mental gymnastics to say, yeah, yeah, but this isn't really soft power. This is, somehow based in the Bible. This is somehow what Jehovah wants. This is this is somehow part of my religion, even if my eyes and my ears are telling me that it is that, that it is not valid. And I think that's why soft power is so relevant in Jehovah's Witness religion. Can someone please bail me out? So, yeah. No, I, I, no <laughs> I, I agree because, I mean, they expressed a level of power over you that first of all was not necessary and two kind of opened your eyes to the amount of influence they have over your life when you haven't even done anything wrong the fact that they have the power over you to really because if you're a witness generally the the organization is your life even if you're inactive you probably aren't hanging out with a bunch of worldly people you probably don't have a ton of friends or family that you talk to and so you as an as an inactive person, and you can verify this for me, did did you have a lot of friends in the world as an inactive person? No, of course not. They were worldly. Exactly. And so you're already isolated. You are willing to go to the elders because you're going to accept whatever it is they tell you. So when they then interrogate yeah. you to try to get you to admit guilt to something you didn't do, I mean, that's that's horrible. And you know yeah. that they have that power over you suddenly. And... You know, a lot of apostates talk about how, oh, you know, the elders don't have power over me anymore. And the reason they say that is because you really have to convince yourself that they don't. Yeah. Like when they when I disassociated and they asked, do you would you come in for a judicial committee or not a judicial committee? They said, would you be willing to talk to us? And I said, absolutely not, because I'd seen videos of people who disassociated and were brought in to talk to the elders after the fact. Um, and with women, it is particularly cruel. And yeah. I realized personally, I don't need to put myself in that position. They have no authority over me. But when you're in, and especially in your case where you're inactive, so you're feeling guilty already. You already feel guilty because you've been inactive, which means you still believe, but you're not practicing. I mean, you were in a vulnerable position already. And they basically, I mean, they took advantage of that to push an agenda that they had based off of assumptions. And that's that's a ridiculous amount of power to have over somebody. They had the power to isolate you from your friends and family. Yeah, yeah. and I feel that's the only reason why my fading was somewhat successful. And because I, I did that years ago, like years before I woke up, because I was marked without me knowing that I was marked. And then people just weren't looking out for me. And then I wasn't going to the meetings afterwards because... 
I was heartbroken be, be, between the end of my relationship and this feeling, this feeling that that something wrong had happened in the congregation that I just couldn't explain. I just, I, I, I stopped going to meetings and then no one looked for me. And it was great because now I'm technically POMO almost, except for a few people who still think that I am Jehovah's Witness. But yeah, so I guess my advice is uh, take care of, uh, use the soft power to your advantage. Just get get marked and then, <laughs> and then move and if, if you're trying to fade. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like the marking talk uh, is an interesting example of how like the elders have this individual power because, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Tower, um, but uh, they, they, you know, they can't really disfellowship you unless they all conspire. They can't just disfellowship you because they don't like you. But they have a lot of leeway to do marking talks. Um, you know, a lot of witnesses don't even know the term marking talk. It's not called that. It's called a local needs part. And marking yeah. talk is kind of a, what what it's known in the elders book as. Um, but a lot of wit, a lot of ex-witnesses don't know that it's a thing. Uh, they don't know that it's a formalized process. And I think, you know, if you're on the wrong side of some elders, at worst, they could do a marking talk. But but also they could just argue against giving you privileges. And so you can never recover from the marking talk. Yeah, it's a it's kind of an odd situation it is one of those things that is mentioned in the organized book so if someone is diligent mm. in reading their od book um they would come across it but it's kind of one of those things of the instructions on it are weird and if i remember correctly you have to you almost have to read the elders book and the od book to get a complete picture of how it works and i think the od book even says it a little bit more a little bit more clearly as far as like what the what the steps are how the process works but like you said it's it's very much up to the perception of the elders as to what they want to do with it and whether or not it's just a marking talk or if they want to escalate things and part of the the od book it says that the elders will use discernment in determining whether a particular situation is sufficiently serious and disturbing to others to warrant to warrant a warning talk so and it's it's kind of like they get to make a decision and if it was like a serious issue then obviously it's probably something that's not very far off from judicial and if they wanted to they could kind of bend things to make it become judicial for our non-jehovah jehovah's witness listeners would you explain what the od book is that is essentially and what is it what is od what's the acronym organized to do jehovah's will is the title of the publication and That's it's not it, scary. And, well, it's interesting if you, at least how it worked way back when, when you opened up that publication in the JW Library app, it gives you a pop-up warning that says, this is an internal publication for Jehovah's Witnesses only. So huh. if you had a, you know, quote unquote, worldly person who was using the app, it kind of like tells them, hey, this is an internal document. You really don't need to read this. That's but so terrible. I'm also <laughs> going to do exactly the opposite of what they want. If I was worldly, I'd be like, oh, hell yes. Yeah. So for the most part, it's an insanely boring book that just outlines procedures of certain certain things, how the congregation works, um, you know, enough information that your basic publisher needs to know. Of course, in, in no way does it give you details about how the judicial process works, what your rights are or aren't really you know in you know in the you know star chamber sessions of your judicial committee hearing um but it just kind of gives them a general overview 
of how the organization works, how congregation meetings work. And it's it's one of those publications that's a bit weird in the sense that it doesn't get updated, or at least at the time, it was not updated as often as it should have been updated. So it was oftentimes, you know, you would read through how the processes work and it wasn't even correct anymore because they had made so many revisions in the past like year or two. My hall uh, did a marking talk on uh, Pokemon when I was a kid and I had to get rid of my copy of Pokemon Red where I had just caught all 151. I traded with someone at school for Mew using the clone glitch. I had a complete game and I had to get rid of it. I, I took it to, to a, uh, I traded it in. Um, <gasps> that's, that's satanic. You should have burned yeah. it. Yeah. Shame. Yeah, someone else has this satanic thing now. Do you do you really you pass do you want to have that in your conscious? Man, you have to track that down. So with that understanding of marking talks, um, the last thing I want to throw out is that there's this interesting thing that also has additional social effects, and that is that your family affects your standing, right? If your <sighs> if your wife does something wrong or your children do something wrong, you can be removed from you can lose your privileges. Uh, which means there is an additional pressure on the man as head of the house to be a dictator, right? To he lord over your household. Yeah, if his wife can't do something wrong, that reflects on him. So he has to control his wife. Uh, there's the subconscious pressure there for men to do that because his wife's behavior can prevent him from being appointed as a ministerial servant. His wife's behavior can make him get removed as an elder. His children's behavior can get him removed as an elder. And I think that's really important to note too. It, it subconsciously pressures them to be a dictator in their house to keep their to keep their privileges yeah that's how you convert soft power uh, from an organizational structure into uh, a family thing mm -hmm. uh, that everyone has to has to do it's not just in the congregation you have to do it inside your own house because if you don't there will be consequences, yeah. social consequences and, at least. I mean, and this really ties into the fact that the entire issue is systemic and it starts from the top and we'll have to talk about that in the next episode because we are out of time. Yeah, so quick two-second summary. What we have is a system of bad association that creates in-groups and out-groups. People don't want to be in the out-group, so to remain in the in-group, they need to put on an appearance. And elders have access to these levers like privileges, marking talks, and reproof um, that allow them to influence your social status. So you are forced to play within these rules to remain in the in-group or else you're ostracized. And it's very, very par powerful in how it influences people's behavior and forces them to behave in certain ways and be careful what they say at all times and live within certain bounds and not associate with coworkers. If I send this to any of my old coworkers, I am so sorry. And that is my piece on soft power. So, Dax, can you tell us a preview to our listeners of what they'll be in for? Because so far we've talked about how soft power affects in a granular level. But what are we going to We're gonna say about next episode, Dax? We are going to discuss how the policies governed by the government, sorry, the policies put into action by the governing body cause people to have enough power to cover a multitude of sins. And what I mean by cover a multitude of sins, cover up. They, they it, We're going to talk about how a lot of the policies within the organization are directly harming vulnerable populations. 
and with that, I we hope you join us for the for the next episode where we'll talk about that or we'll talk about something completely different because we'll change our minds or forget that we recorded. But not before we jump into our last segment. Moving on. Can we move on, please? Let's let's move on from being a Jehovah's I don't like this with Dax. Dax, how can we move on? We can move on to the next episode and do this at the end of that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because I didn't really prepare anything, but I was hoping that Matt had prepared this amazing thing that would just would just be like, this is how you move on, oh, ex Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I've, Let's I move been, on. I should have been told that one beforehand because I'm I'm gonna have to think on that one. Yeah, we just we just sprung this onto onto Matt. Okay, so I have a thought. Here's my moving on, and it fits with the theme. In order to move on, and I mean this wholeheartedly. Please watch those rated R movies that you wanted to watch. And I don't mean the ones that are rated R just because they're fun to be oh, rated yes. R. I mean, like, watch Parasite. Watch The King's Speech. Watch all those movies that are objectively good. Go find an indie theater that's, like, you know, showing it still. And go watch them. Because you can now. You're allowed. Nobody has the power to tell you not to. And you're not going to face social ramifications for watching them. In fact, you might gain some social currency because now you have an interesting film to talk about. I need to watch The Matrix. Same. Or no, just watch Lord of the Rings. That's, that's probably it. what Matt's going to do right after, right after doing, doing this, right? Because you haven't, you haven't done that? Is, is that correct? Oh. You've never seen Lord oh, of no, the Rings? Oh, I, no. I don't know what those things are about. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how he makes these rings. So. And Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's great. It's, it, there's a lord over there, and there's some rings. You're going to love it. I have a question for you guys. When you first left, did you feel guilty? The first time you hung out with a group of worldly people. No, because we were moving on, and that was that is we're still in this segment. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I struggled with that, um, and it was it was weird. I was like, oh, I I feel like I feel guilty, like I'm doing something wrong, and yeah. then I realized that was really stupid. But I I think that the, you know having those guilt and fears of doing something wrong or being seen to do something wrong. Uh, is is something we need to process when we're moving on. Yeah, so your advice for moving on is... Hang out with worldly people and don't be stressed about it. Perfect. My advice for moving on is challenge your worldview in more than just are Jehovah's Witnesses right? You're going through hope. If, if you're waking up, if you're doing... In, if you're in this part of this waking up process or maybe if you... If you are done waking up, you are in this process where all of these structures that that you had around your life are suddenly falling down because it's like I'd like to say like it's it's like a tower falling down. I I don't know why I'm thinking about that. It just it's like you imagine a tower and just falling down. I have this very clear image. I don't know why, but but this is a huge opportunity because it gives you the chance of challenging more than just your beliefs. Maybe you're a little bit homophobic. Maybe you're a little bit racist. Maybe there are some other things that are going on. So my advice would be take this chance to fully check everything. Don't stop at the Bible. Don't stop at the belief uh, system. Fully check everything because you can become a much, much happier and more loving person when you leave the Jehovah's Witnesses. All and right. that is 
That was really good. That is that is the end of of that segment. I think uh, unless Matt, do you, Matt, do you have do you have some? Did you come up with something I, in this? I in could this last I could couple try of something for like thirty seconds. Yeah, well, for giggles. No, listen, yeah, let's uh, hear it. Let's just let it, it, you you can you can share us something, or maybe you can just let us know what helped you moving on. Maybe that'll help someone in the audience. Yeah, I could certainly share that. Uh, to me, one of the biggest things was just being able to change your mindset to be able to focus on what the future is instead of thinking about the past and what you might have lost and the things that you, you know, people that you might not be able to see again. So for me, I was able to just kind of focus moving forward, trying to make new friends. And, you know, of course, my belief system now is different than, than what it was when, when I was a witness. So now I generally just focus on the fact that you know, this is the only life that that I know for sure that I get to have. So I try to make every day count and enjoy it since that makes every day so much more precious. And now spend that time with your family and friends that you can possibly find time to do that, uh, who will, you know, be with you. Find a way to volunteer to help others in your community if you can. Uh, try to leave yeah. your slice of the world a little bit better than when you got here. Um, and so whatever else happens in your life other than that, you know, you can look at those things that the experiences that you had, even though you might have had a traumatic experience being a witness, what you've been able to do during that time. And since that time, you could look on and what you did afterward and be proud and happy with the fact that you used your life for a good purpose. You were happy with it and you did what you could, even not getting perhaps the, the greatest start. Matt, that was that a lovely, lovely, lovely thought. That was beautiful. And I think with that, we can transition into that part of the podcast where everyone is just stopping the podcast. And just All right, all right Caleb, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help are, you out, Caleb. Wait, wait, wait. Because where can you – if people want to wanna hear more, like what you just said, where can people find you? Where, where's your Twitter? Where's your YouTube? Where, where do you want to plug? Go, go, go. It's the end. The end of podcast. Falling Tower. Let's, plug. Let's shameless oh, it's, plug. It's Falling yeah, Tower. It's plug time. time. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Now I have, of course. To, now I have shameless to think about plug. what my, what my handles plug. actually are. Let's All right. See. Go ahead and look those up. You, uh, YouTube channel is The Falling Tower. And I know that's been a, quite a dead space for a long time now. There's only a couple of videos on it. But thankfully, I do finally have a filming area set up again. And hopefully in the next like week or two, should be able to start filming and doing some more stuff again, so you can keep a, a watch on that area. Uh, my Twitter handle is xjwtino, um, and those are pretty much the two things where I'm active. So if you uh, want to hit me up, follow, see how things are going, that's how you do it. And where Follow can... him, become one of the half a million people who have seen uh, his, his video again, not jealous at all. Uh, Dax, <laughs> where can people find you? And wait, where can we find your British friend? Oh, um, he pops in from time to time. I, I can't really tell you when for sure he'd be around there. I hate you, and I hate that you just do that, and it's <laughs> disgusting. Um, <laughs> I'm very jealous. Uh, I played a D&D campaign where I butchered a British accent, and it was horrible. Anyways, um... Well, Harrison Kofer can... is not going to be happy with me right now. He's going to be criticizing <laughs> all, all day long. You... Yeah, we're now we can't invite Harrison. Great. I know, great. <laughs> you can find me at JornXBorg on Twitter or uh, DaxTheScholar on YouTube 
where I um, still have no direction with my channel, but so far it's been interviews. So, Woo. and Beams, when can people find you? You can find me on Reddit or on Twitter uh, under my little Pimo. That's my little P I M O. And you can find me at xgwcaleb on Twitter and on YouTube, still editing on videos, although hopefully by the time that this comes out, I have something out. It's proof. Uh, We've seen it. We've seen that he is editing those videos. He's not lying. And please, guys, I I need Twitter followers because I'm the only one on here that doesn't have an awesome YouTube channel. We're talking about Caleb. I'm the only one without an awesome YouTube channel. So the only thing I have going for me is my Twitter follows. So please follow me. It's fine. That's it. I mean, we're this is no, that, this, no, no, what, what no, 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 can, no. Can Here's what I will say. Uh, last thing, the amount of time and effort that Caleb is putting into his video, this one video, just please anticipate it because it's kind of like I oversimplified. Know. The channel oversimplified, like three videos a year, but you were just sweating, waiting for them. Now people are gonna are gonna expect something. They like, they're, they're gonna see it. They're gonna be so disappointed. But <laughs> we're starting a Patreon, and for all of our patrons, we're putting up a reaction little video that we did, uh, Dax and me. It's the first video we ever recorded mm-hmm. where we indulged in a little bit of the devil's lettuce <laughs> and reacted to. A very interesting live stream, let's say, by a very notorious uh, XJW. Yeah, because I, yeah. And and we just we just kind of talk about it. we we just talk about and, it. and we, we react just, to it because we react to it because uh, that live stream hit four days after I became before I but four days after I woke up. Exactly. So you can it was see new Dax's reaction to. Lloyd Evans being an asshole. That, oh, what did I? What I mean to just this XGW? I thought what, we were gonna be coy did, about it, man. What? Uh, what? Do we, should we just? Should we just cut the episode? Just cut it. Is this cut the it. end of the episode? Cut it. It's got to be now. You mean, you mean the, the great episode. John Cedars? <laughs> <laughs>